0: Hey, did you know that HubSpot launched an AI chatbot that helps you build awesome campaigns at scale with just a few prompts? It's called Campaign Assist, and it's a totally free-to-use AI tool made from marketers and business leaders who spend hours a day on content creation. Campaign Assist will transform the way you build marketing campaigns at scale. Craft personalized emails, ads, and landing pages in a matter of minutes. Just pick the content type, add key selling points, and let the AI take it from there. And the best part, it works seamlessly with all of HubSpot's marketing and sales tools to scale your output across email, social, and more. So AI your way to the most effective campaigns yet at HubSpot.com slash campaign dash assist. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Make It Happen Mondays, where we talk about sales, business, entrepreneurship, personal growth, mental health, and everything in between with guests who I truly respect and I think make a positive impact on the world around us. Now, today's conversation is with my good friend Jeffrey Gittimer. If you don't know Jeffrey, everybody thinks I'm the OG in sales. No, I ain't even close. Jeffrey Gittimer has been around for a long time, and he is the true OG of sales. He's got 17 books, including The Little Red Book of Sales, which is still the number one selling book in sales to this day. And Jeffrey and I have a lot of fun. This is this is old school sales right here. Jeffrey is an old school salesperson, tells a lot of fun stories about his original days, knocking on doors, cold calling in New York City. He's also a Philly fan, so we have a lot of fun between the Boston Philly thing, and we give each other a lot of shit. So this one's a fun conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's make it happen. All right, Mr. Getaway, what's going on? Welcome to the Make It Happen Monday podcast, my friend.
1: Thank you very kindly. Uh, this will be a program of bald ideas. <laughs> I think that's the way we should phrase it. I like how we both wear our shirts. Yep. You know what I mean? Mine shirt has my name on it. Yours doesn't. It should have your name on it. That's just Brandon, yeah, I get it. Thing. Even <laughs> little. Yep. You know, even if it just says, fuck you, John, Arnold, it'll still yeah. be well, fun. Well, I got the JB. I got the JB the okay. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Everyone knows what that is. Um, <laughs> so just by way of background, I grew up in Philly and New Jersey and New York. And I didn't really understand the science of selling, but I always had the gift of gab because my family were, were business people, not entrepreneurs. To me, an entrepreneur is somebody that their mom was a school teacher and their dad worked for General Electric and they bought a franchise. That's an entrepreneur to me, you know, their first time going at it. But I grew up in a family where everyone who came to our house owned their own business. Whether they were a doctor or a lawyer or a real estate person or whatever, window washer, they all had their own businesses. And so I would sneak down on Thursday night when my dad was playing Pinochle and listen behind the wall these guys talking business it was just class and every thursday night for years they never heard me that i never said a word i just went to college
0: i was going to say that's Um, an awesome education you got your mba there without even having to go to get it right
1: well i can remember going to temple university um which is i majored in in management and marketing which was ridiculous Um, uh, because i actually majored in football pools and dating yeah. Those are my two t- colleges <laughs> that social
0: t- educate. I got my marketing this degree is- as well, and it's pretty much useless.
1: Yeah. I sold homework in college. That's when I learned supply and demand. At the end of the semester, I could double my prices. Um, nice. But I didn't understand selling. I only had the gift of gab. And so I, had to, I got involved with an MLM company in 1972, read Think and Grow Rich 10 times. Um, and part of the whole deal was recruiting new move-ins to a neighborhood. So we get these lead papers and you'd have to call the new move-in and try to set an appointment to sell them in getting Im- involved in MLM. You couldn't leave the office until you had five five appointments. That's pretty interesting, right? You could not leave the office until you had five appointments. So, Because I had five guys working for me. They all had to have at least one place to go. Okay. You get good. You get good at engagement. You get good at... And the one thing I found is that cold calling is a great place to learn how to sell. But it's a lousy place to make a sale. So with that philosophy moving forward... Um, I then got when I left New Jersey and I moved to Florida. Um, my dad and I owned a mobile home park. We had to sell fifty by one hundred and fifty lots for ten thousand dollars each. Fucking crazy, and or T-shirts. I got I invested fifty grand in a T-shirt business and found out that my partners they knew how to print T-shirts but they didn't know how to sell. So I had to um, go to New York City and sell. Okay. Go cold call in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> it's Where about, fuck you is about a, fuck you is a greeting and everybody wants a bribe. Yep,
0: okay. absolutely. That's like when I say, like, we talk about cold calling intros and you say, hey, how you doing today? If you call another Northeast and say, hey, how you doing today as your intro, you either get hung up on or you get or you. What do you want? Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. Like, it's oh, a big sorry. story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so interesting. And no one who lives in the Northeast, uh, Boston notwithstanding, because you do live in the, you just above the New York City line, that run into a lot of sissies. But that's uh, <laughs> a whole other story. All right, um, Philly,
0: you're close to well, the Mason Dixon line, so easy up.
1: <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> nobody cares about language. Yeah, I mean, somebody tells you to go fuck yourself. What do you go? Well, I'd appreciate it if you didn't use that like seriously. Appreciate what? Just get over it rub some dirt on it and go back in and play third base. Uh, th- th- to me, that's that's part of the process, but this is what I learned, John. And before I get into what I learned about cold calling, I'd like to ask you how you, you go train cold callers. What do you tell them to do?
0: Uh, so recently, uh, so there's there's a structure and approach to it, right? But yeah. recently what I've tried to, um, and there's techniques that we go through, but what I'm trying to uh train reps on, or and companies on, quite frankly, because the I, I do a lot of work with SDRs and BDRs, right? The ones who are yeah. doing those calls. And my firm belief right now, especially with the AI stuff, is that that is going to become a, a roll-up under marketing and operations. And and it's going to be used as uh, more of like account-based marketing and approach, right? So these kids aren't going to be making calls, but they're going to be pushing buttons and everything else to set up full-cycle sales. But where cold calling, I say, is still important, you actually mentioned it it's a great place to learn how to sell so brand new into sales i still think you need to get your teeth kicked in so that you figure out grit and second of all if you think of it more as a marketing function where it's an impression point i tell reps all the time they need to be mini marketers right now every single impression it matters right whether it's a cold call with a voicemail a tweet a retweet a comment on a linkedin post i look at cold calling more as marketing right now than i do as sales
1: That's interesting. And I think that's probably the right approach. Um, As I explained earlier, when I was setting five leads a day for MLM, it was for all new move-ins to the neighborhood. So I would say, are you looking to earn a few extra dollars while you're here? And that was my lead-in question to sort of set the hook. And then I'd say, well, if you come in for an appointment, I also know that 10 best restaurants in the, you know, I grew up here so I know every place you can go and I'm more than happy to help you but, and I would get people to... I could set appointments because I learned how to get personal and fill their need rather than mine. Okay, but this is what I did and I'm revealing this literally for the first time on any podcast and it's only because I actually respect you. I need that. Well, not a lot of people do, but I'm in that club. I'm in that Okay, no problem. So here's the deal. I had two partners in the t-shirt business and we would sit around and brainstorm, who did we want to sell a shirt to? Not who am I going to cold call, who did we want to sell a shirt to? And we would target, we'd brainstorm the idea, what do we want to sell them? How are we going to do it? What's the pitch? And from there, we would actually print a sample of their shirt, 500 bucks it cost. Didn't care, didn't care. Okay, Um, and then I'd go to New York and bang on the door. So it wasn't a cold call, it was a targeted cold call. Big difference. Okay, and I don't... When people say shit about themselves, it's it's only it's only bragging if it's not true. My closing ratio for targeted cold calls in Manhattan is one hundred percent.
0: Taking that approach of right, making the t-shirt and so taking the so approach walk of
1: brainstorming through. the idea, yep, and then going prepared, yeah, and then master salesmanship takes over. Mm-hmm. I go and make my how
0: pitch would you get that meeting. Though, how would you get them? So let's 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 hone in on that cold call. What was the at, well cold call? I put that in quotation marks. When you brainstormed the pitch, you came up with the idea. You printed the T-shirt, put the five hundred bucks in. Now with all that strategy, and you say this is the client I want to go to. What's the call? What's the email? What's the one that gets that okay, person so to say? I'm
1: at their yeah. door. I'm at their door literally, and I have some kind of a strategy. And I'll show you. one, I have one. Um, on my shelf. Uh, I'll show you that in just a couple of minutes, but this is what would basically happen. I would go in and explain the call, explain the t-shirt business, give them an idea. And they would say every time, can you make me a sample? And I would say, sure. Um, if you like it, how many will you buy? If you like it, how many will you buy? And, and I'd wait for a number. And I'd say, okay, well, if you love it, how many will you buy? And then I would take my tie off, open up my shirt like Superman, show them their shirt and say, do you like it or do you love it? And I'm telling you, it was like magic. Like we had the formula. So we... We did the STP shirt for Andy Granatelli. We did the Fonzie shirt for, for Paramount Studios. We did the Alfred E. Newman shirt for Mad Magazine. I just picked places that I loved. We did the copper tone, the copper tone shirt with the girl pulling down the bathing suit.
0: Hey, I want to take a quick minute to share with you what I'm working on these days with my new JB Sales membership. It includes live monthly training delivered by me on my two signature courses, Filling the Funnel and Driving to Close. It also includes monthly workshops that I'll be running on specific skills and different tech like ChatGPT and how to leverage it in the sales process. And it gives you access to my entire online catalog with every course and every tip I've ever done. You get all of this for $420 a year as an individual or $5,000 for teams. And as an exclusive Exclusive offer to my podcast listeners. If you go to www.jbarrows.com and click on the individual or team membership and use code podcast, you'll get 20% off. Let's make this happen together. You just made it. You just made a point that I want to make sure is highlighted here to the people listening. And I do the same thing, And I, but I want to add, we're going to talk, I want to talk to you about scale, but, but let me get there first. Okay. One is i tell my reps that all the time like first get your icps down like get tight who do you want to sell to get your top list of 25 based on demographic criteria criteria but then what i tell them to do is before you make one call into that account i need you to come back to me and tell me why you personally want to work with that company not just because they fit a profile What about like connect with their values, connect with their leadership, whatever it is, because my whole contention is, is once you make that connection of holy shit, I actually do want to work with this company, then the messaging and everything else kind of takes care of itself. But how do you scale this, Jeffrey? Every time like every time I've talked to you about like I think our last podcast and all this different stuff, I, I agree wholeheartedly with all this approach, but I live in the world of the SaaS and the tech kids who are being asked to make $50 a fucking day, do 100 cadences. Thankfully, that's starting to loosen up a little bit here. But how in the world do you scale the give a shit factor, which is effectively what you're talking about?
1: The only way that you can scale is through proof. In other words, do I want my sales guy to make 100 calls a day or 10 targeted calls a day? I actually
0: don't give a shit as long as I get 10 meetings, for instance. Like that's what I care about.
1: Fucking boom. Okay, so that's what you have to look at from the standpoint of what works and what doesn't work. So I'm gonna go with the premise of the appointment or the sale is made emotionally and then justified logically. Love that car, what are the payments? Love that house, what's the mortgage? And so the the emotion to logic has to has to prevail. So no matter who they're calling, they have to determine. Number one, what's the situation? Number two, what's the opportunity? Number three, what are the objectives? And number four, what is the proposed outcome? Okay, what do they have to do in order to be able to get that? And if the salesperson is not willing to do that, then go home and watch Netflix and drink a beer like a fucking moron. Yeah. Or send no, out see, your
0: 500 cadences and hope for the best, right?
1: Yeah, or quit your job because you're making another $100 a week someplace else. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll, they'll pay me more money over there to make a cold call. No, they're, they're paying you a pittance. They're paying you to learn. You're going totally. to graduate school of sales by dialing numbers and talking to people. Yep. And it's going to determine your resilience, and it's going to determine your outcome in life. I, I couldn't be happier that I know how to cold call. Yeah. I don't want to do them, but man, am I glad I know how.
0: So here's a story for you, you know, and you know this, right? Like Q1, I, I mean, for me again, 95% of my clients were SaaS, right? So Q1 fucking fell apart across the board. And I remember like, and I've always sold, you know, right? So I'm I'm always selling no matter what, but you know, hardcore cold calling and that type of stuff I haven't done in a while. But when everything fell apart, I was like, "Shit!" So I put my sales hat, like hardcore sales hat, back on, and ended up through through emails and calls and in networking and everything else. I got like forty nine meetings in in February and seventy meetings in Q one. And if you look at it, a lot of people said, "Well, that's because your brand and all that other stuff." I said, "Yeah, well, you know, yes," and that's kind of why I built it that way is so I could leverage it when but I needed to. You also
1: have experience
0: but I could also make the call and it was also right. the activity and it didn't take talent it didn't take brand it took effort it took the ability to get on the fucking phones and navigate through and send emails and make calls that mattered right and and the fact if I, and I tell reps all this all the time the reps who are trying to skip the SDR BDR so that they can become an AE and think that that's the holy grail if you can't figure out how to basically fill your own pipeline with your own opportunities You'll, you'll, you'll fail eventually. But if you can figure that out, you'll never
1: go hungry. Correct. I gave the clue to the listener in those four parts of situation, opportunity, objectives, and, and outcomes. But situation is the key. What is that customer's present situation in business, personal if I can find out anything about them, what's the situation in the marketplace, What's the situation with their customers? If I can know that when I make the call, then I can speak their language. If I don't know that before I make the call, I'm gonna sound like a moron. Yeah, do you have a minute where we can chat? Uh, I have a, no, no. Like, Bob, I'm calling you today with an idea. If you like it, run with it. If you don't like it, hang up. Fair enough? Uh, Yeah, that's fair enough. Do do I wanna hear about do 27 slides or do I want an idea? yeah an idea
0: i want an idea And those ideas is that idea a value drop for you or is that an idea of how you can help
1: um it could be either it could depends if it's product or service it depends on the situation in the industry that's why you have to study the situation but it's value is always there but it's a is it what is it about can i meet with them and talk about the idea or do i get the idea and realize i'm not talking to the decision maker and i got to talk to somebody else Some people go for lowest point of entry, easiest point of entry, which is, you know, well, I made an appointment with this with the purchasing agent. Schmuck. Hey, schmuck. Yeah.
0: What are your thoughts on gathering information from the lower levels so that you can have a hypothesis up to the higher? Like, so let's talk about research, right? What kind of research do you do before you walk into an account? And is that, you know, through the website and LinkedIn, whatever macroeconomic things, but also... How much do you tap into the org itself and non-decision makers, but potentially people that could be impacted by what you're selling?
1: Want to know the secrets forever?
0: <laughs> Please do.
1: I call the sales department. Yeah. Always They'll tell the you everything. They'll tell yeah. you everything. That's their job. They're in sales. What's the, the give they, though? They so- want to tell you. They literally want to tell you.
0: Well, here's the deal though. You and I are in, I think, a very um favorable position here since we sell crack to crackheads, right? We sell sales to sales reps and sales <laughs> organizations. So yeah. it's easy. Yeah, it's to sell
1: marijuana than
0: crack, but okay, we're we're fine on that. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, oh, <laughs> so but but say so I can like when when COVID hit, right? We took the design thinking approach, we went bottom up. I had, you know, my my team calling into individual sales reps and we could do a give get. Right. We could get some information from them from insights, but we could also give them value because we do sales training. So I could drop some tips and some nuggets. What about that kid who's selling cybersecurity to CISOs? The f- like, how, wh- how can they, what, first of all, what value can they add to somebody that they're talking to that's not a decision maker? Right. And then what kind of research would you do before you would reach out to the executive?
1: If I'm selling cybersecurity, the first thing I have to understand is the value of their data. If I don't understand that, I'm screwed. The value to, of their data. Right. Because if they lose it, they pay, they panic. Right. If something happens and something goes down, their email goes down, their website goes down, they're panicked. So I, wanted, I don't just want to know what it is. I want to also know how secure it is. And so I might start out the conversation by saying, tell me the last time your stuff went down. What happened? And if I get it, if I have a good person, they'll tell you. And has it happened well, since well,
0: then? Well, What are you doing to build that trust? Though, hold on a second. What are you doing to build that trust for somebody to un- to uncover that for you, especially on a, on an initial call? Like I got no, I got no go- a, go- you and I are got a thirty minute discovery, right?
1: Yeah. Well, here's the deal. While you're talking to me, I'm googling you. I'm I'm on my keyboard and I'm hitting you know, John Barrows and return. And I'm seeing what pops up. If nothing pops up, I'm dealing with a fucking nobody. So I'm going to challenge that, that rep, that, that BDR, whatever he is, I want him to be gullible. What has he written about the industry? Where's that posted? Does he have his own website, yourname.com and a one page website that says how I treat my customers. And if you want to go two pages, show pictures of your kids. So kids, ugly as they are, ugly as they are, kids, and how I treat my customers. That's that's a two pager. It's nothing. Or or I would if I am going to have an appointment with somebody, I say, could you please Google me before I call? And that way, I'm. I already have a. I, I have a way in the door. They've already looked at my at my you know YouTube channel or they've they've read something that I've written. That's the whole thing. And it doesn't start out that way, but you have to work at it. And so you have to have the discipline that says, I don't I can't go home and have a half a bottle of wine with dinner and think I'm gonna succeed the next day.
0: Yeah, You're screwed.
1: Facts. Yep. And so many people do because they're working on a salary plus bonus plus whatever, and they're doomed to mediocrity. Doomed to mediocrity. So I always wanted no... I don't want a salary. Just give me a commission. That way I I eat what I kill. I'm fine with that, and I have the incentive to go kill more. If I make a sale, I don't stop. I go make another one. That's the best time to make a sale.
0: (laughs) All right, taking a quick break here to highlight some of the other incredible podcasts on the HubSpot Podcast Network. You have to check out the Science of Scaling podcast hosted by Mark Roberge. Mark is the founding CRO of HubSpot, a senior lecturer at Harvard Business School, co founder of Stage 2 Capital, and actually a good friend. He's even been on the Make It Happen Monday podcast a few times. Each week, Mark sits down with some of the most successful sales leaders in the tech industry to learn the secrets, strategies, and tactics to scale their company's growth. One of my favorite episodes is one of the more recent ones around the diligence of marketing and sales leadership roles with Sydney Sloan and Adam Arons of Drata. Sydney's is actually another good friend of mine and has a ton of insights into the CMO role. This episode is jam-packed with insights on sales and marketing alignment, evaluating potential members of your leadership team, go-to-market alignment, and much more. Listen to The Science of Scaling wherever you get your podcast. How have those characteristics changed? So I'm, I'm 100% with you. I was always scared to shit of, um, you know, being a 100% commission up until I was. And then I loved it because I was like, man, I'm a, I'm a pretty self-motivated person. But, man, you need more to motivation. Realize when you wake up in the morning, you ain't getting paid if you don't go out that door. Um, but you, I'm seeing this obvious shift right from a societal standpoint and from a and, and and leaking into sales reps of they're not as driven from a money motivated standpoint it's not about grow at all costs anymore like go 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 so they live at home with me, their mom yep and so have the characteristics changed Shut. to be successful in sales or are we just losing those characteristics and therefore not holistically being successful in sales
1: i don't think the characteristics have changed one iota I think the people have changed, the society has weakened. And as a result of having weak people going in and making phone calls, it's horrible. So I want someone who's hungry. And I'll bet if you took a, a, one of your teams and said, listen, we're going to give you a salary to half the team and no salary to the other team to see what you kill the no the no salary people will win every time oh every time well because well and
0: also there's going to be a certain type of person that gravitates towards that salary that typically sure. has the characteristics i'll that- also
1: tell you one other thing and i'm a father of four a grandfather of four a great grandfather of one and they're all <laughs> girls yeah if i'm going to hire a sales team it's going to be all women Oh I, I
0: agree with that. Yeah, my daughter, that's why I wrote the book. So I want to be in yeah. sales when I grow up. That's, it's classic that's the reason to, I wrote it. You
1: know, it hangs in my in my in my living room. Okay, so right. that's the challenge that you have are they weak? They've been weakened.
0: Mm.
1: They just start out well, weak.
0: let me ask you though with so again, you know, let's go generalization here a little bit with with men and women, right? In the sense that it, the, the sales is still a very male dominated uh, profession right
1: and, and some are only men you know yeah. outdoor sales are predominantly men yep sheetrock guys lumber guys who you know
0: yep so with that you know in <clears throat> typically the alpha male like go fucking get it you know go 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 no no salary i got one commission make it happen type of stuff you know hit the gong build a list but that a lot of times um alienates uh other populations mainly women who would potentially be really good in sales because we have this bro culture of fuck it let's go let's hit the let's hit the list and that's not how a lot of women uh that's sure what they what they
1: are attracted to at least i will tell you that if it was me i would hang around any university and hire every athlete that comes out of there male or female
0: what though because I'm seeing this shift and it, and there's a perfect storm happening right now. And I'm trying to figure out how to address it because, you know, people have heard me talk about this before. We've, you know, over-engineered the sales process. You know, we've given, you know, 60% button seats better than the 0% button seat. Grow at all costs, who cares, whatever. And now we've turned these reps into robots, right? And taken away the, a lot of the art of selling and, and the fundamentals. We've skipped the fundamentals. Most and reps don't have
1: try a different way that works
0: yeah exactly and so now and now we add on ai which is doing a lot of what these reps are doing a lot better right pick any cadence tool pick any whatever tool like no argument with that so so where let's fast forward here in sales you said that characteristics probably haven't changed all that much because you still need to have kind of the drive and and the coachability and all those other things where is that? Where are we headed from your perspective as a, as a profession?
1: I think that there's always going to be a human to human need. I think AI can help a salesperson, but not replace a salesperson. So this is what I recommend to my guys. Use AI, get an answer. When you get the answer, you have to customize it to the person and put a little bit of feeling behind it, a little bit of emotion behind it because AI is a computer with no emotion and no humor. So I'm going to challenge a person, you can, you can take the AI response and I, I think it'll save you a lot of time if you do, but it's not going to make it stick because if your competitor is using the same AI, you're going to sound exactly, wait, somebody just said that yesterday.
0: Well, it's funny you say that, right? I, there's a post that I did a, a few weeks back where I got super pissed off because I, did, I posted something on, uh, about an LMS and I was like, man, I wish I would have had this resource a long time ago. I would saved a bunch yeah. of money, right? And within five minutes, there was like six or seven comments on LinkedIn that all mirrored the exact, like it wasn't the exact okay. words, but it was the exact like approach, right? They just changed a couple of them. And I was like, son of a bitch. I'm like, they're letting, they're letting AI do auto okay. posts and auto comments right. on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I went off on it. I took a screenshot and I even sent it to LinkedIn. And I said, look, this is an existential threat. If you are not going to prevent this, this platform will be trash within the next year. And so the the point of like, just to your point, I, I have the same conversation, which is automace, automation versus augmentation, mm-hmm. right? augment the sales rep, don't automate the sales rep. Because as soon as you figure out how to automate, say you did a good job, right? Say you figured out the prompt, the best fucking prompt in the world to write the best email, whatever. Well, then I don't need to spend $100,000 for a rep to sit there to send that prompt out. I can just take that prompt and do it myself.
1: Of course. That's not going to work, though. In the long run, that will not work. What will work is collaborate with AI. And I'm going to... This is... Um... Here's the secret to think about. There's a difference between artificial intelligence and actual intelligence, Mm -hmm. and you have to combine them. If you combine them, you win. Now, if you will give me the luxury of 30 seconds to go to the back of my library and come back, I'm going to give you an actual creative Mm -hmm. idea that I had to sell a t-shirt in New York City on a cold call. Okay. It's what I did for three years in Manhattan, three okay. years. And keep in mind, they want to tell me to go fuck myself.
0: <laughs> yep, yeah, immediately.
1: And, and, and they want to bribe. That's <laughs> how you go. They all want to bribe. Yeah. Not some. They all want to bribe. <laughs> I had a buyer from, from Sears, rest their soul, um, who took me to his home on Long Island and showed me what other people bought him. <laughs> nice. And I'm talking about a boat, a car, I'm not talking about little shit. Yeah. Got it? Oh, yeah. it, would, it no, yeah. Would not give that guy would not give that guy a Give me twenty eight seconds, yep. pontificate everything you know about cold calling in under a minute.
0: All right. I will I will pontificate as you go.
1: I was a subscriber <laughs> in college to Mad Magazine. <laughs> nice. Everyone knows Mad Magazine. Of course. When yeah. I had my shirt factory, I said, we have to make the Alfred E. Newman t-shirt. We have to. She walked in and said, I'd like 5,000 of these statues, please. And they go, well, I don't think we sell them. I said, well, you need to find out. If you're in New York, you can say anything you want. Oh. So she comes back and says, we don't make them anymore. I said, listen, 5,000. Can you get me somebody that can potentially get him for me? Some guy comes out who was the whatever. We don't make him anymore. Like, go away. I said, I want to talk to Bill Gaines. Bill Gaines was the publisher of Mad Magazine. His, his title was publisher and chief bigot. But he's the guy who invented the comic book. <laughs> Jesus. Got it? Okay. Long white hair guy. Okay. Yep. So Bill Gaines comes out and says, we don't fucking make them. Go away. And I said, all right, forget that. I'll take 5,000 Alfred E. Newman t-shirts. And he said, we don't have them. I said, I do. And I opened up my shirt and I showed him this. <laughs> nice. And he goes, get in my office right now. <laughs> get in my office right now. Got it? Because I blew yeah. him away with being prepared. Literally. It was a prayer. Because suppose they said they could make me five thousand of these things. <laughs> now you got to come up with a cast of right. Yeah, but I, okay. So I end up selling him fifty thousand shirts. Nice, on a cold call. Nice, because I was prepared. It was fun. Yeah. I have an autographed <laughs> copy of his of his biography. Um, yeah. You know, dated so I know exactly when I made the cold call. And that's, <laughs> that is the, the, the challenge that a salesperson is not willing to accept. They want to dial, they don't want to plan. So I'm a planner, then a dialer. And, okay. and that gives me the freedom to win.
0: And I think that's the difference, right? The, and it's funny, because when I used to make a lot of cold calls, people would ask me, right, hey, is this a cold call? And my answer to that was, and this is, you know, Boston John being an asshole, but it was legit. It was always, well, it depends on what you mean as what you mean as a cold call. And they'd be like, "Excuse me," I'd say, "If you're talking about a cold call being a list of names that are that I have that I am just droning through with a, with a generic pitch to to try to sell you something, then no, it's not a cold call um, because I've done my homework. I, I I've been on your website. I know what you all do, and there's a purpose behind my call." So you know, if you consider that a cold call, well, then sure. Um, But I actually consider it more of a warm call because there's a purpose behind it, and I, you know, and I would usually get a conversation. Well, what do you know about us, type of thing, right? But it was that confidence to come back to them and and push back basically because it's confidence. I think total confidence, John. If you've but how do you build that without? But how do you build that without, like, so I think you and I grew up uh, fortunate in the sense that we grew up in the Northeast. We grew up with that attitude. We grew up with that, you know, cocky ego, whatever you want to call it thing that, that allowed us to be a little bit more, hey, fuck you. I think I know what I'm talking about here. So I can push back on you. Most of the rest of the world, man, just does not have that DNA. So how do you build a confidence at an early age as a sales rep to be able, first of all, preparation, I think, builds confidence, obviously. But how do you build the confidence to, to not immediately fold when somebody throws you that objection, to not immediately crumble when they say, I'm not interested, get me off this list, or walk into the, the, the office and say, get the fuck out?
1: If you teach that kid that most sales are made after the seventh, no. And I don't know where somebody got that number. It's an old number. that probably pulls it out of their ass. But okay. if, they, if they realize that they're going to get rejected a couple of times, then you're cool. Now, there's a response that I created in 1993 that is the best objection response ever. All <laughs> right. We're satisfied with who we've got. We don't need anything. I was yeah. hoping you would say that. Nice. Yeah. And whatever your price is too high. I was hoping you would say that. Um, we're not interested in, you know, we haven't. Had, I was hoping you would say that. That throws the person completely off, and then the next line is, our best customers always come from people that tell me that. Mm, if you'll so like just give me another couple of minutes, I promise you, I'm going to provide value to you, and you. at that point, you can throw me out if you don't, and you know, totally 100% up to you. Is that fair enough? Is that fair enough, is my close. So
0: fair, fair enough that so and, and i and i'm and i also know the confidence comes from believing in what you're selling right of course. so you gotta you gotta get out
1: of there right now
0: well i wanted to i wanted to get your thoughts on that right because i tell reps all the time like if you do not believe in that to me that's the number one thing you need to be successful in sales is a genuine belief that what we do matters right? right so if you're let's go back to those younger sales professionals don't have as as much you know uh, experience as you and i do you know, looking for an SDR job, whatever, they get one at some cybersecurity, they could give a shit about cybersecurity, but it's paying the bills. How do they, how do they end up, how do do you coach or how do you suggest they, because we all don't give a shit, like I didn't give a shit about copiers when I was selling Xerox copiers, but I believed that Xerox was the best copier in the, in the industry. And so how do you get reps to understand or believe if they're selling something that they just, it's not their quote unquote
1: passion, you know? Um, you're at a bar, it's two o'clock at night, everyone's going home with somebody, and you meet an opposite sex person and they're not up to your standards. What do you do? You lower your standards. And so the sales rep has to decide where their level of standard is with respect to what they believe in and what they can honestly, sincerely present so to me if if it's not good for you stop doing it don't kid yourself because your mediocrity is going to be your new high level but if you love it you can play in the majors you know it's um for whatever you think of philly think of bryce <laughs> harper yeah. bryce harper could run for jesus in philadelphia and outvote jesus most and likely. Because he's passionate. He loves the game. He loves sports. He's he's an athlete. He's prepared for the game. He practices. He does, you know, and and he goes to Sixers games and he goes to Flyers games and he goes to the Eagles game. He's He's just a, a fan. So if you're not a fan, if you're not, if you don't really immerse yourself in the knowledge of it, dude, go someplace else at the very minimum. At the very minimum, if it's paying the bills and you need it to get to the next level, become a world-class expert at it at the very minimum so that nobody can ask you a question that you can't give an answer and help. With
0: that, do you think that how much knowledge does a sales rep need to have to be successful from your perspective? So so let's use a sales engineer, for instance, who who knows 100% of the product, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm a sales rep and I'm an account executive. How much do I need to know to to be effective, uh, really effective in sales? Do I need to know it all or do I just need to know some? Where's your head at? First thing
1: I'm going to do, and this is pretty interesting. I'm going to, before I ever make a call, I'm going to go visit my top 10 customers and find out why they bought. Yep,
0: thank you.
1: That's the first thing I'm going to do. Second thing I'm going to do is say to myself, is there somebody I need to take with me when I start? Do I need that engineer with me? Do I need that product guy with me? Do I need that lawyer with me? Who do I need to brag, to, to drag to the call so that I look more like an expert and I'm going to listen to them literally and learn I'm, I'm as much a learner in that sales call as I am a salesperson. So I can give it you in a real world thing. When I started to write for the Charlotte Business Journal, I used to bring every Friday a floppy disk from my Mac and a printed out copy. This is 1992. And for three years, I asked the editor if she would please give me back the blue line copy of my column. She'd make the edits. So I learned how to edit from an editor. And that was like gold to me, total gold to me. So I'm not just a writer, I'm a student. And the longer that salesperson decides that they want to remain a student, the the better off they're going to be. If they don't want to be a student, get out of sales. Greeters at Walmart can make 20 bucks an hour. Go. Yep. Go. Because you're not going to make it in sales if you're not a student of sales. So you have to Uh, be a student of sales and a student of the market.
0: And that's what I was going to say. It's like you can have, you don't necessarily have to have passion or like a hundred percent belief that your product is the best product in the world. That definitely helps. And that, that transfer of enthusiasm, but you've got to be a student of it. You got to be a student of sales. You got to love sales because if sure. you don't love sales and you don't believe in your product, literally go find anything, anything other to do. Like McDonald's is a better Wendy's job. Wendy's
1: just calling. Correct. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: So you need to flip a burger um, and, and roll, but yeah, I mean, look, or maybe it's another field that doesn't have sales in it. Right. Well, or maybe it's
0: marketing maybe it's customer success maybe it's something like that yeah. it's just it, you know it it's still is going engagement. to market that's what i've always said yeah right <laughs> <laughs> like, if i could so that I, I was the opposite if i couldn't market i, I went into sales <laughs> but um but yeah i think that's i mean you you did the same like when i was at thrive networks when i was selling outsourced it services i didn't know what the fuck i was talking about but this is what this is really where um i started to understand how much belief mattered right because with with IT services I would sit in server rooms and I would literally sit there in the freezing ass cold server room asking engineers like what the fuck does that thing do how does that connect to that and I got enough of it I I, I wasn't I didn't know how to configure a router or a server but I knew how that uh, NAT and DHCP and those type of things and how they worked and so I was able to at least speak to it and get to a point where I was adding st- value no matter what. So no matter what conversation I was in, I was able to either ask the right question or provide some level of insight, but I wasn't able to go deep. And that's where I would bring in the engineer or whoever else, but at least I was able to add value. And I think that's the piece where you have to know enough about your product or service to add value to any conversation. Right. Whether it's on a cold call, an initial call, a discovery call, or whatever. Because if you are not adding value into that conversation as me receiving it, then what the fuck's the point of you? Right. And I'm just going to cut you out of the equation 100% and go to your engineer, go I to your need, VP of sales. I, don't, I
1: obviously don't need you. Therefore, right. you're out. And that's the difference between a guy that shows his slides and mm-hmm. a guy that has an idea. In in 1908, Arsene Swed Martin said, "The world makes way for the man with an idea," and it still holds.
0: Yeah, it still holds. Let's let's finish up on this. Is what do you suggest to those reps? So let's say they're listening to this. They're like, "Yep, I get it, man. I wish you know, I wanna I wanna go all in on quality and do my research and really care." But I'm being asked by my boss to make 50 dials, 100 dials, and without the answer being, "Go find another fucking job," which is a legitimate answer. Um, now, what, do you, how, what approach do you, ta- you suggest that rep take to, to downward pressure on them to do things that you and I both know are not going to be successful? What do, what do you suggest that rep do? How do they approach their boss, their manager, the their rep team? has to decide
1: that he or she is going back to college and they're mm-hmm. going to sales university. And when they wake up in the morning, they're listening to something that will inspire them or they'll read something that inspires them. They're going to get in their car and there's something by Zig Ziglar, there's something by Earl Nightingale, there's something by you or me that they can put into their machine and listen to it and get to that call and be inspired. When when Dennis Waitley created his cassette program on winning in 1977, I was going from Bean Blossom, Indiana to Chicago, Illinois to talk to my then customer about a full year of consulting and I listened to the entire cassette tape series on the way to Chicago and I didn't quite finish. I got to Chicago and there was still one more tape and I listened to that in the car in the parking lot. I blew past the gatekeeper, I blew past the CEO's secretary, I walked into the guy's room who I knew. There were people in the room and I said, excuse me, Mel, sign this. I got to go to work. And he did. And that, what happened, you were inspired by somebody else telling you, you can do it. Or this is three things you can do to be able to make it happen. Go listen to Earl Nightingale, dude. Go go listen to, to Dennis Waitley. Go, go listen to people that can inspire you to win. And then go listen to some detailed stuff that uh, John or I creates that will help you get to that next level, but become an expert or go home. Become an expert or go home.
0: And I think that's the middle ground that most people are in, they're in purgatory. They don't want to do what their manager's asking, but they're also not willing to put in the effort off hours to to get better or to try a different approach and i tell people all the time like look if whatever your boss is telling you fucking can do it right because i'll tell you right now like especially brand new if you're first second third year in in sales and you don't do what i tell you to do that's the fastest way of getting fired because i got to figure out whether you can actually even put in the effort first but if if i'm continuously telling you what to do and, and you don't like it, well, don't just bitch to me. Create a side hustle, but that side hustle better be sales and your thought process on the approach so that you can then come to me with, hey, John, I did it your way, and this is what happened, and I did it my way, and this is what happened. You know, the results are better over here. Do you want me to keep doing this or this? And if they tell you to keep doing their way when it's not as effective, that's when you walk away.
1: Yeah. I'm going to throw you what I, what I recommend to salespeople. Whatever your boss tells you to do, whatever the training program is at the company, whatever the deal is, that's 50% of your time. The other 50% of your time is self-education. The great Jim Rohn, formal education will earn you a living, self-education will earn you a fortune, and you have to decide how much of a fortune you want to earn by how much you decide you're going to self-educate. I am a student. I'm I'm older than everybody. <laughs> but I still spend an hour a day reading and writing why that's do it. I need to do that I don't know so far it's working I'm going to do it another 30 years and then that's it I'm going to quit so I'm looking at this from the perspective of okay I've, this is how it has worked I'm not going to yeah. stop that I'm not going to yeah. you know I, I, I can't explain it in detail you can only live it yeah. and you have to decide if you're going to live it or not live it it's just that simple and if you're coasting, go coast someplace else.
0: Yeah. Sales is not the career for you if you're looking to coast. I make the analogy to golf, right? Like you can never hit a zero in golf, right? You can't be perfect in golf. So, or, you're, or let's call it perfect. You can't hit an 18 in golf, right? Um, so you can always get better. And it's the same thing in sales. Like if you think you're the best at whatever it is, I promise you there's somebody better than you. And so, if you're not constantly looking to upskill, and, and that's why the best, the best reps, the best athletes. Let's go back to the best athletes. Um, they want to be coached. They f- they they demand to be coached because if they're not learning something new, they get bored out of their mind, and they go find somebody who will
1: push them. Exactly. But let's talk about ethics for just one second, okay? Uh-huh. People go play golf for business. Uh-huh. Hey, I, I took my client out to play golf. I took my customer out to play golf. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, but- the customer will never remember the score of the round unless they shot the best round they ever shot or they got a hole in one or almost got a hole in one. Right, But they'll always remember that you cheated on the third hole. Oh, absolutely. And here's how you can tell if a a golfer's cheating. Put me down for a seven.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If they give you like, here's here's how you know you're dealing with a cheater in golf is when your putt is five to six feet away from the hole and they say, I yeah. ah, just pick it up, the gimme. Exactly. If they give you the
1: gimme first, then yeah. it
0: should not be a gimme. That means they're a cheater because they're going to expect that later on in the round. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, th- that's, that's the deal, and the salesperson has to be honest with themselves first so they can be honest with the customer second. So, you're a student, but you have honor. And it's it's transferable. The customer's going to get it or not, totally get it or not. And by the way, my Mad Magazine sale led me to meet Don Martin, the guy who the best cartoonist that they had, and he did the cartoon for Fonzie, which I sold to Paramount. So all it, they, it all has lay, and I didn't ask for a referral. I said, "How do I get to Don Martin?" And they go, "Oh yeah, I'll give you his number." So I fly down to meet the fucking guy, and and I said, "Do this, and I'll I'll pay you this," and he did. So just think about it from a standpoint of stop asking for referrals and just try to get to that next place, wherever the yeah. next place is. Because
0: and I, yeah, the and I think that's the problem with all of it, man. Is is patience. Yep. Is is patience. Like, so many people are trying to scream through the first two, three, four, five years of sales to get to a point where they're quote unquote successful. Yeah, I, You know, I, I I had my head down for 20 fucking years, like literally 20 years. And when I go back to those 70 meetings in Q1, a lot of it were favors that I pulled from people because I mm-hmm. could, right? Because I always had that, you know, Business Networking International, B&I, Giver's Gain, right? That, that was ingrained yeah. into me early in my career, obviously through my parents as well. And so I just did whatever I could to help other people out. And it all came back around eventually. Listen, this is a great meeting. We need
1: to do yeah. this again.
0: I say we keep I, going, man. It's too late. You and I, I, can, like... talk sales. You, you and I can talk oh, yeah. sales for fucking yeah, for, for for ages.
1: Okay, so my people will call your people and we'll do another yeah. one. Is that cool? Let's do, another. Let's do it on your show. Uh, so I'm in.
0: I'm totally in. All right, brother. Hey, tell people where they can find it. I mean, if they don't know Jeffrey Gittimer, just then just go to com kind of or clean.
1: buy the Little Red Book of Selling and, you know, read it. You can't hold it up against red, the side Little Red of your Book. Head. How many downloads? How many, how many sales are you still getting on that book? Um, it has already sold more than 5 million copies. It's the largest Shit. selling sales book of all time. Yeah. And we just came out with the 20th anniversary. That's I didn't change one word, I just added the <laughs> backstory to the book. And a yeah. bunch of full page quotes, and it, it'll still it'll sell more in one year than most sales books sell in a lifetime.
0: Yeah, wow, it's, it's It's a stable man. It's an, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So, and you got seven? You got your your seventeen total? Seventeen books? Yeah, seventeen books.
1: Just go to Gutenberg.com. G well, I T O M E G i t o m e r. dot com. Well, and call my people, and then they'll call your people
0: all right brother awesome good talking to you as always jeffrey and uh thank you everybody for joining as always look this is a fun conversation hopefully got you thinking of a little bit more go check out jeffrey's shit and look always 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 like i say to everybody at the end of all these podcasts go out there and make somebody smile today because no matter how bad your day went or how good or how bad you think it went if you make somebody smile today I know you had a good day and the world needs a lot more of that right now so thank you all very much and i'll see you on the other side I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did with your support and our incredible guests. We're one of the top sales podcasts out there right now. And I can't thank you enough now to keep the momentum going. It would mean the world to me. If you could go and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and share some of your favorite episodes with your network. Also check out my new website, jbarrows.com, where you'll find even more ways to engage. There's a ton of free content and you can also get trained from me directly as an individual or for your team. Look, I'm out there selling every day just like you are, and I'm doing my best to stay on top of all the latest trends in sales and technology. So if you're looking to level up and you give a shit about this profession of sales, let's connect and make it happen together.